Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about garlic. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Well, today I am excited to be able to dive into garlic with you. It's such a common herb that you can easily grow in most places. And if you don't want to grow it or you can't grow it, you can find it very easily in any grocery store, fresh or dried. It's also really easy to find in any um, health food store or supplement store. You can even, if you wanted to, you could even grow it in a really large pot or even in a small pot and then just harvest the fresh greens from it. But we're going to get into the name of garlic. We're going to get into some really what I find very interesting history of garlic. We'll get into the medicinal properties and some of the well-studied and known constituents and and then how we could incorporate it into our life in a medicinal fashion. So garlic botanical name is Allium sativum, and there are many, many varieties of this species of garlic, of Allium. And it's in the Liliaceae family, so the lily family. Now, you also might see it um, called the Amaryllidaceae family or the Aliaceae family. But I think it's most commonly considered the Liliaceae family. Now, the species name sativum um, basically means cultivated. So you might see this species name in other plant genuses as sativa or sativus or sativum. So Avena sativa is oats, and that's the cultivated grain of oats. Um, So Allium sativa is the type of uh, Allium plant that is cultivated. And the sativa species of plants, just in general, are often associated botanically with plants that also promote good health and used to designate certain seed-grown domestic crops. Allium is the ancient Latin name for garlic itself, so it just kind of carried over. Now, garlic is um, 
Anglo-Saxon or an English word, gar or gay, G-A-E, meaning lance, shaped, and lick being a plant or leaf. So a lance-shaped leaf, which if you've ever seen garlic uh, growing or a picture of garlic, it has these long leaves that almost look like grass or cattails or something. One of the kind of other common name, relatively common name for garlic is the stinking rose. So I've seen it suggested that it's native to maybe two different places, or maybe this is the same type of place. Um, One source said it was native to Asia, the high plains of West Central Asia. And that was in uh, from Stephen Buhner. And then uh, Southwest Siberia. And then it spread and naturalized from there into Europe. So garlic has such a rich history. I mean, it's such a intensely scented and flavored plant and it's highly medicinal. So obviously it's going to have had a long relationship with humans and definitely even longer than I'm sure what I'll be talking about. I mean, I would imagine that as soon as humans stumbled across garlic, we have been co-evolving with it and incorporating it into our life and Um, Once we started cultivating plants, then I'm guessing that we decided to add garlic in there with one of the cultivated plants. It is one of the most potent old symbolic plants that are protection against quote-unquote evil. And it's featured in medical textbooks from around the ancient world, from Egypt to India, Greece to Rome, and over to China. It was first written about five in 5000 BCE in Sanskrit. And in 3000 BCE, um, a man who's considered the father of Ayurveda, Charak, wrote that garlic strengthens the heart and keeps blood fluid. And these are two properties of garlic that we still know and work with today. Garlic was also considered sacred to the ancient Egyptians. They had over 200 uses for it and even took oaths in the name of garlic. It's said that the pharaohs fed garlic to the slaves that built the pyramids to keep them strong and healthy. Garlic is also sacred to and popular with uh, ancient Romans and Greeks. It's a major, it was a major part of the diet of the Olympic athletes in ancient Greece, and it was considered to have kept them strong and helped to build their endurance and keep them healthy. Long considered an herb of protection, the ancient Greeks gave offerings of garlic to the goddess Hecate, who's the goddess of boundaries, crossroads, witchcraft, and ghosts. It was used to invoke her. It would be placed at, in a, at a pile of rocks at crossings of roads or paths as an offering to her uh, for supper. And according to Pliny, who was like an ancient um, writer and philosopher, educator, and herbalist, um, garlic and onion were invoked as deities by the Egyptians. And that's when they were taking their oaths. In Odysseus considered garlic to be the slayer of monsters and used garlic wine to save himself from the spells of Circe and sorceresses. There's a Muslim story that says Satan stepped out of the Garden of Eden after Adam's expulsion and that garlic sprang from under his left foot 
and an onion from under his right foot. In ancient Greece, a person who smelled garlic was not allowed to enter the temples of Sibyl, and that's spelled C-Y-B-E-L-E, Sibyl, uh, mother of the gods in the region and that is now called Turkey. So Sibyl is the mother goddess of Rome, and she was at the center of a Phrygian cult and was sometimes known as the great goddess. She was considered to be the divine companion or consort of mortal rulers and probably the highest deity in that time and in that state, the Phrygian state. She was also considered to be a nature uh, goddess or earth goddess. And so I would imagine that it was a connection back to the, you know, the earth goddess times and then coming into the Greek gods where we kind of became more patriarchal. And at that point, I guess garlic was kind of considered an assault or, you know, if you had garlic on your breath, it was not to be around these this great earth goddess, which is interesting because as we go through this history, you'll also see that garlic eventually was used against witches and um, what were considered to be evil spirits, which I think originally were nature spirits. So the Romans were known to have carried garlic to war with them. I'm guessing um, for health and for wound care. There's also a lot of um, kind of stories that kind of carried through about garlic, you know, repelling people so much from its scent that it helped you kind of have a one up. So people would even like put it on their racehorses, thinking that they would win the race um, because it would keep the other horses away from your horse. Or there was another story about, you know, I think racers or, you know, people who would kind of have garlic on them that would kind of keep their, the people that they were racing against away from them. So that, I wonder if that has something to do with that as well. I'm not sure, obviously, but uh, Romans once attributed their success in establishing the Roman Empire to, to garlic, believing that no one would cross the boundaries into a country that smelled so strongly. So again, it's like repelling the opposing forces, <laughs> and it still grows wild in Italy today. And I think this is interesting because, again, it's creating these boundaries. And it had been um, a herb that they would offer to the goddess of boundaries, Hecate. During the Middle Ages, garlic was hung on the outside of doorways at night to repel evil spirits. I believe that would be in Europe. And then it was also used during the plague in Europe, both to um, help to fight the infections. Um, it was even said that, you know, the people that would go to the sick beds of people, if they ate a lot of garlic in their diet, that it would help to keep them from getting sick. It also is became the principal ingredient in the Four Thieves' vinegar in 1722. And the, the Four Thieves' vinegar was, you know, a vinegar that had basically really strong antimicrobial herbs in it that protected the thieves that were plundering the dead bodies that had died in the plague and that they were stealing from them, but it actually protected them from actually getting the plague. In World War I, garlic was applied to wounds to prevent infections. And I guess it was done this by juicing it and then diluting it in water because garlic's actually really 
raw garlic can actually be very irritating to the skin and can burn it. But so if you juice it and then dilute it in water, it might not have as much of an effect, but it is strongly antimicrobial. So they would take that diluted garlic juice and put it on swabs of sphagnum moss and then apply that to wounds from the war. And it was said that this treatment prevented sepsis and saved thousands of lives. And there was actually a call for people to grow lots of garlic for pay during the war because it was used in such large quantities and it was seen to be so effective. So in 1916, the British government actually put out a call to people like, grow garlic and we will pay you because we need it. (laughs) Which is interesting. I think there's a similar story about time um, as well in relation to garlic. And then there's, oh, there's this, you know, the classic story of garlic breath can stop a vampire at 25 paces. So I I was like, well, where did this originate from? Like, why? I mean, yes, garlic's stinky, but like, why is it so well known to be this protection against vampires? And so, we've yes, we've heard of it as being a protector against evil forces and, um, a protector against witches and against diseases. So there's a persistent belief in the power of garlic to ward off vampires. And probably the most popular theory of the origin of the vampire, one of them, is a disease called porphyria, which is a term of actually several diseases, which are all caused by irregularities in the production of heme, a chemical in the blood, a very important chemical in the blood. And so some forms of this disease cause sufferers to be sensitive to light and leads to disfigurement of the skin, including erosion of the lips and gums. So these factors could have led to the corpse-like fanged appearance that we associate with vampires and their dislike for sunlight. Interestingly, people who suffer from porphyria also have an intolerance to foods that have a high sulfur content, such as garlic. So that's one theory. Another theory I discovered is that, um, you know, through history, garlic was thought to protect people and their homes from evil spirits, uh, as well as curing sickness, as we have said. And in Romania, the strigoi, which were basically uh, Latin for, from the Latin word striga, meaning witch or evil spirit, they were believed to suck the milk from both mothers and cows. And this is supposedly the inspiration for Stoker's blood-sucking vampires, Bram Stoker, who wrote about and developed the character of Dracula. And this is why, I guess, even still, I've heard that Romanian farmers um, have long protected their livestock by smearing their horns with garlic. So that's... Interesting vampire lore for you. Aside in Romania, aside from being an essential ingredient in the cuisine, garlic has long been thought of to be a magical plant. And on the eve of St. Andrew's Day, which is November 29th, which, and St. Andrew is the patron saint of Romania, Garlic's believed to keep one safe against strigoi and moroi, which are evil spirits of those that have passed on that haunt the household of relatives still living there. And so it's, it's of, in a sorts, Romanian Halloween or All Souls Day. And it, the residents of the rural areas both eat lots of garlic on this day, and then they smear it on the corners of windows and doors to protect themselves. And rows of garlic can also be seen hanging at this time for the same purpose. So lots of really, for me, very interesting history. We see garlic as being a 
strong protector and um, a medicinal herb that fights infections and an herb that also builds endurance and and maintains good health for people who have to work physically really hard. So in a, in a moment, we'll get into some other medicinal properties, get into more details, and then how we might work with garlic medicinally as well. But first, we're going to have a couple words from our sponsors. So is your skin feeling dry or dehydrated from this winter air? Well, you can quench thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Whey Melrose Place Body Cream. It's fast absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. It provides hydration that lasts and prevents dryness. Turn your shower into an escape with the gentle skin softening Whey Melrose Place Body Cleanser. Experience the new way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to theway.com. And way is spelt O-U-A-I. So their website is T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. And use code BELIEVE, which is spelt B-L-E-A-V, and you'll get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, code B-L-E-A-V. And our other sponsor is NordVPN. So what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind when you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service. Offering the fastest connectivity, most servers and next-gen encryption can make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe and use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And now back to garlic. Okay, so we're going to get into the nitty gritty of the medicinal actions of garlic. But just as a quick overview, just so you get a really quick sense, let's just think of the main ways that people most often consider garlic to be medicinal. Number one, highly anti-infective. So it's going to fight infections of a huge variety. Number two, heart health, whether it's high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, blood clotting, any sort of risks of heart disease, garlic can help prevent those. It's also been shown to be helpful for people who have diabetes. And last but not least, it also has a real affinity for our lungs. So for our lung health, and we'll get into that as well. So immune health, lung health, heart health, and then it also can help with digestion, although sometimes it can be irritating for our digestion as well. 
So garlic is actually, have you ever taken a raw clove of garlic and like taken a bite of it? It's really spicy. It's actually really hot and pungent. And so those are the obvious energetics of this herb, hot and pungent and drying to some degree. It's especially helpful if you have like cold feelings in the body um, and if you have like a cold or a flu that tends towards like shivers and chills and just feeling cold. The National Institutes of Health Medical Database contains more than 3,200 studies on garlic and its health benefits. Many of these are about slowing, preventing, and reversing cardiovascular disease, including strokes and heart attacks, which are the number one causes of death in America. So right away, this is a very important herb. Now, garlic's also a food herb, right? So a lot of people might even consider garlic as more like a food than a medicine, although it is a very intensely flavored food that some people like and some people don't like. So it is relatively safe. At the end of this, we will get into some potential contraindications or concerns that you'd want to take considerations that you'd want to think about before taking a lot of it. So in general, it's an antioxidant, so it can help reduce free radical damage and aging. It's an alterative, so it can help move the body toward a general state of health. It's a vulnerary, so it can help to um, heal wounds, you know, as we were talking about in World War I, prevent infections, help to heal wounds and kind of soothe the skin. But again, putting it on directly to the skin can actually burn it. And if you hold it on there long enough, it could even blister your skin. So you really have to be careful with how you apply it to your skin. And we will get into that. It's also been known uh, to have some aphrodisiac qualities. And I bet that probably has a lot to do with the fact that it really helps the blood move in our body. And it is a pretty like awakening and invigorating herb. So as far as its antis, it's antibacterial, antiviral, antiseptic, antiparasitic, antiprotozoan, antifungal, anthelmintic, which means it's basically anti-worms, and it also is immune supportive, so it can actually help to improve the functioning of the immune system overall instead of just killing infectious microbes. It can activate immunity so that the, our body can on its own fight invaders. And it increases natural killer cells in the blood. It also has the ability to reduce inflammatory cytokines, which are important in to some degree because it's a natural immune response, like to have inflammation and cytokines. But we don't want them to, we want it to be a modulated response. We don't want it to be overly over-the-top cytokines. So it can be beneficial for cold and flu prevention, reducing infection time. So if you start to feel an infection come on and then you start to uh, work with garlic a lot, it can actually reduce the amount of time that you're sick. It can inhibit both gram-negative and gram-positive bacteria. And there's really like a whole huge list um, of pathogens that it has been scientifically proven to work against. But then I'm sure there's a whole nother list that has not been scientifically proven, but it is effective against as well. So in general, it improves um, our heart functioning and can help to prevent or slow heart disease. So it can enhance circulation, uh, especially in cases where if you have really high blood pressure, it could probably, it could help lower it. And there's a lot of scientific studies out there about that. It's also diaphoretic and rubefacient, which basically means it can help bring the blood to the surface of the 
skin and it can even then bring heat to the surface of the skin and as a diaphoretic, you know, open the pores and help you to sweat. And sweating is actually one way that we excrete the metabolites that we create from the garlic. And so that's why sometimes your sweat might smell a little garlicky if you had a lot of garlic. It's a vasodilator, which is how it helps with the hypertension. So it helps to dilate our blood vessels so our blood can flow more smoothly through them. Also is known to help optimize cholesterol levels. So if our if our bad cholesterol is too high, it can help to reduce that. It prevents blood clots and is so therefore considered to be have blood thinning properties to it. So if you're on anticoagulants or like really strong blood thinning medication, just be careful with how much garlic you're intaking or just be aware that it could um, increase the effectiveness of your drug. Um, but again, it's not like, you know, if your doctor says no garlic when you, when he prescribes you or the pharmacist, when they give you the, your drug, or you could ask them and be like, Oh, is garlic safe in food, food amounts? I, you know, probably is, but if you're taking super large amounts of it or in capsule form, then you might want to be more cautious. It also can protect our arteries from age-related stiffness and arteriosclerosis. It um, can reduce the risk of stroke. So really beneficial for all aspects of heart health. Now for digestion, it can benefit our digestion. It is antispasmodic because it does have some volatile oils in it. So it can help to reduce any sort of spasms in the intestines. It also is carminative, which means it can help us to like move gas through and out. It's a cholagogue. So it can help with uh, bile production and therefore digestion of fatty foods. It supports healthy gut flora, which is really an interesting point because even though Garlic is really highly antimicrobial. It's, it really focuses on pathogens or bacteria that we don't want in our body. But as far as our healthy gut flora, um, it contains inulin, which is a starch that we don't digest, but that our gut flora loves to eat. And it supports the health of our gut flora. You'd have to really take like an exorbitant amount or ingest an exorbitant amount of garlic for it to have a negative action on your healthy gut flora, from my understanding. It's also known to be helpful for people who have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth which is also more commonly known as SIBO, S-I-B-O. And it also um, is effective against dysentery. There has been some research that it can help with uh, people who experience insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Might have to take it for six months. So it's not something that's maybe going to happen overnight, but the more and the longer you take it, the better off you'll be. It's garlic decreases uh, fasting blood sugar levels. So for the lungs, so one of the, so one pathway that we um, eliminate garlic from our body or metabolites of garlic is through our sweat. Another way is through our lungs. And so this is why we have garlic breath because we're actually like releasing it, um, metabolites from it from our body. So in so doing actually can really benefit our lungs because it gets direct contact in there. Now, a lot of the antimicrobial properties of garlic, again, yes, it does improve our own body's immune system to fight infections with our own immune cells, 
but also has antimicrobial properties in the garlic. And so you have to have direct contact with the garlic compounds and the pathogen. And we can get that in the lungs, but as we exhale after we've eaten a lot of garlic. Therefore, garlic can really help with any sort of infections that are help to fight any sort of infections that are in the lungs. Also, it can be an expectorant where it can help us to cough up um, mucus that is no longer serving us and help to ease some bronchial congestion. It also helps people who are asthmatic and it also can even break up mucus in the sinuses, I think more because of its spicy, spiciness. Also effective against bronchitis and even pneumonia. So there are actually um, multiple compounds in garlic that are proven to be antibacterial. And that they can even be effective against highly antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So to access those antibacterial properties from the garlic, again, you need to have it so that it kills on contact. So it's really effective if there's infections in places where we can have direct contact with the garlic, whether it's in its whole form or in a juice of the garlic. So the intestines, the skin, uh, the vagina, nose, and ears are all really common places, and the lungs, um, where it can be effective in fighting infections. And then when we're working with it to for our immune health in general, and for our heart health in general, then and for our digestion, then um, cooked garlic works fine, as well as the you can get supplemental garlic if you really have an aversion or if it's hard for you to digest garlic. You can get really easily um, garlic in capsules, and that's usually aged and fermented and powdered so that it doesn't have the scent anymore to it. Because that scent, that garlic scent, and we'll get into the constituents in a second, um, but that garlic scent is what is the antimicrobial aspect, the anti-infective. So those capsules aren't going to be really good at fighting off infections, but the, all the other components of the garlic should still be there. And especially if you get a high quality brand, I mean, who knows what's going to be in some brands that haven't been around for a while or that aren't high quality. Again, I'm really not a proponent of taking herbs in capsules at all. But in this case, like there's kind of a gray area there because a lot of scientific studies have been done on these like herbs of the garlic supplements and especially for heart health. And if that's the only way you're going to take it. If you're not someone who likes garlic or if it upsets your digestion, then that might be a better route than no route at all. I know that the uh, brand Kyolic, that's the one when I worked in the pharmacy that we had tons of and sold the most of, and it's been around for a long time. And they have a huge variety of products that that brand makes. But I don't know. I, you know, it's not, not a thing that I would necessarily stand behind 100%. So other things garlic might be helpful for is if you have a lot of stress or fatigue. Um, and I guess this makes me think of those, um, those slaves that were building the pyramids and the Olympic fighter, or Olympic athletes, ancient Olympic athletes that Maybe they were on to the garlic to help them reduce their stress and their fatigue. Now, another um, arena that garlic is really helpful 
for is that it can be really helpful for folks who um, are looking to prevent cancer or that are dealing with cancer. There's been more than 600 studies on garlic's ability to treat and prevent cancer. So it's been shown that it has some ability to prevent and stop the advance of colon cancer. It can prevent stomach cancer, prevent endometrial cancer, and decrease the risk for brain, prostate, and lung cancers. So it's able to do these things by stopping carcinogens from damaging our DNA. It's able to increase the ability of enzymes to eliminate carcinogens from our body. And it eliminates free radicals that damage cells and cause cancer. And that's its antioxidant property that does that. So even just as an anti-cancer diet, make sure that you're eating plenty of garlic, putting it into meals. I think, you know, generally they say two cloves a day is a nice uh, maintenance therapeutic dose of garlic. So one other way that it can help is uh, joint health. It actually can reduce arthritic inflammation. And I think that this is related to how it can modulate inflammation and cytokine response. And this would involve uh, regular ingestion of garlic. It also has the ability to increase synovial fluid in the joints, which can really help to improve joint mobility and breaks up crystallization, relieving gout. Regular consumption of garlic energizes the body and keeps the brain alert. It's helpful when dealing with chronic fatigue or even wasting diseases. Now, I would say the most common compounds in garlic are allicin and alin. So the primary compound that's responsible for that garlicky smell and taste is allicin. And it's not actually in the whole clove of garlic. It's produced once you smush the clove and expose it to air. So once you break, either cut the clove, chop it, or expose it to air. And then a lot of people say, you know, you got to let it sit for two to 15 minutes so that that allicin can be produced. And the allicin is a byproduct of a constituent that's in the garlic already that's called alin, which is a L, I don't know if it's two L's or one L, but it's two I's in there and an N. And I want to say it's two L's and two I's. And so alin is an odorless sulfur constituent, which is like, wow, did they... I had no idea that there could be an odorless sulfur. So it contains, um, yeah, it's an odorless sulfur-containing amino acid. I guess that's what it is. And so when that comes in contact with an enzyme called alanase, then they create the allicin. And then... Once you, and that, so I guess that comes into contact with the alanase once it's, once it's kind of broken and, or chopped. So the allicin, which is what we're looking for, is the end result. When you eat it, then our body metabolizes it into multiple different compounds via the bloodstream. And then it's carried and eliminated from our body through our sweat, our urine, and our lungs. So this can happen even when it's applied to our feet. So maybe you've heard that you can take a garlic clove and cut it in half and then rub it on the bottom of your foot. Uh, Be keeping careful not to hold it on there so it doesn't burn your foot. You could also put a little bit of oil um, on your foot first as a protective barrier and then rub the garlic clove on your foot. 
And within so many minutes, you will actually taste and start smelling like garlic because it's already getting into the bloodstream through your foot. So I would think since it's also being eliminated through the urine that it could be really effective if you had any sort of urinary tract infections that you're dealing with because it could come in contact there as well. So let's talk about a few contraindications for garlic. So because it's so hot and pungent energetically, it's really not great for people who are overly heated or overly inflamed, even though it does moderate cytokines, you know, it might have some pro-inflammatory abilities as well. And you're, you know, another contraindication is it's going to give you garlic breath. So if you don't want to smell like garlic, you know, some people say, well, you got to chew on some parsley after you eat garlic or some of those aromatic seeds like cumin or fennel. Some people are like, well, there's really nothing you can do (laughs) about the garlic breath. It's just a side effect. And I actually want to read you from Stephen Buhner's book, uh, Herbal Antibiotics, his contraindications, because it's actually kind of funny. Okay, so this is in uh, Stephen Herod Buhner's book, Herbal Antibiotics, and page 35, a nice section about garlic, which he also goes into great detail uh, about all of the pathogens that garlic is effective against. So side effects and contraindications, nausea, vomiting. Many practitioners believe that garlic is most effective as an antibiotic when used fresh either raw or as juice. Garlic is unfortunately exceptionally pungent and acrid in any quantity as a raw herb or as juice. Care should be taken in consuming it in quantity. Though an entire bulb produces little juice, it is exceptionally potent and is actually quite a strong emetic, which means it makes you throw up, even in small quantities. The best approach is to start with a quarter teaspoon in a full glass of something like tomato or carrot juice and work up from there. The juice from one bulb of garlic combined with even 24 ounces of carrot juice causes, at least in me, almost immediate vomiting. From this rather unpleasant beginning, I found that frequent doses from a quarter to one teaspoon in 16 ounces of carrier, tomato juice is pretty good, each hour is a good way to get a large quantity of garlic juice into the system. Caution must be exercised. The quantities used should be small and increased only as the body shows no signs of adverse reactions. You won't die if you take too much, but you will want to. When you finally do vomit, it will be with exceptional vigor. A growing number of practitioners feel that garlic in capsule form is is as effective as fresh or juiced cloves. Garlic is not suggested for nursing mothers as it affects the taste of the milk and may interfere with nursing. It is excreted from the body through the lungs. This may irritate loved ones and strangers alike. (laughs) And that's because it's going to give you garlic breath. So it's just an herb that you don't want to overdo and some people are more sensitive to it than others. And like I said, you don't want to necessarily put it directly on your skin because if you hold it on there for a long, I mean, maybe for a short amount of time, but the longer you hold it on there, the more it has the potential to burn you. Um, And then some people have said the longer you hold it on, it might even cause a blister. So you can easily grow garlic if you want. You can just buy a bulb, like maybe get a nice quality bulb of garlic, you know, 
uh, from your local co-op or your local farm stand in the late summer, early fall, and then you can divide out the cloves from the garlic bulb head. So each clove you plant and you want to make sure that the pointy side is up and the root side is down. I worked for a farmer and he had um, some interns plant his garlic field and he realized after they had planted, you know, huge long rows of garlic that they had planted every single bulb or clove upside down. So they had to go back through and dig it all up and replant it. So don't do that. So in the fall, just like when you're planting all of your other flower bulbs, you can plant your garlic. Garlic really likes really rich soil. It likes to have mulch. It likes moisture. You know, if you really want nice, big garlic bulbs, then you really got to give it a lot of food. Uh, so compost, seaweed, composted manure, chicken poop, what, what have you. And if you put that all on in the fall after you plant it, then especially like the manure, it would give it time and the seaweed, it would give it time over the winter to decompose and chill out before the actual leaves come up. Now, one of the really fun things, one of my favorite fun things about garlic is it is one of the first things that comes up in your garden. So when nothing else is planted or nothing else is popping up yet, here come those little garlic leaves pushing up through that soil. So that's always a joy to see in the early spring. Now, once your garlic comes up and starts to have a flower bud on it, which is called a scape, it's kind of a curly cue, you want to cut that off um, immediately, if possible, because if you let it grow, it then it's you're not going to get very big bulbs. You just get a really weak bulb because all of its energy is going to go into making the bulb bills, which are the little tiny seed bulbs that the flower produces. So you want to cut the flower before it blooms, just when it's a scape. And those scapes, if you get them early when they're really tender, then you can use those in cooking. You can grill them, saute them, chop them up, use them like you would garlic. Um, you could make a scape pesto, like a really garlicky pesto. Then once in the late summer, once the leaves of your garlic start turning yellow, that's when you can pull them up out of the ground or dig them up out of the ground and let the dirt kind of dry on them for a day. And then you want to wipe off the dirt and then hang them, hang the bulbs to dry or lay them out, uh, spread out so that they can dry for a while. And then once they're fully dry, um, not the bulbs themselves, but the paper around the bulbs and they look really good, then you can store them. You can then, it's best to like leave the leaves on them when you hang them to dry, but then you can cut the leaves off after that. Um, or some people will braid the leaves and hang them. You could always hang them on your door to protect you from evil energies or spirits or what have you. So those bulbils, if you kind of just let your garlic go wild and just let it flower and then the little bulbils and the bulbils will fall to the ground and you can just always kind of have like a little garlic patch going. If you plant those bulbils, that's that seed, it'll take it two years before it will actually grow a bulb. The first year it will just grow a clove and then just leave it in the ground and the second year you'll get a bulb. And some people like to spray garlic water, so like a garlic tea, once it's cooled on their plants to help to repel insects. You could even, uh, but you don't want to put that on necessarily your salad greens or anything that you're going to be eating in the near future. I mean, you even see um, deer sprays that you can buy at your local plant nursery, like a deer repellent spray. Usually those are mostly garlic, and then they might put a little bit of peppermint essential oil in them to repel the deer. So you, you could potentially repel deer with a garlic tea that you made. You could even let it sit out 
and get like kind of fermenty and like really gross smelling. That might even really help. So how are we going to prepare our garlic once we are ready and we have, you know, I mean, maybe I've convinced you already that it's something that you want to incorporate into your diet if you aren't already. So garlic can be worked with as food. It can be infused into oil, and that's more for like a topical application or an ear oil for ear infections. can be infused into vinegar. It's a common ingredient in the fire cider vinegar. Uh, You could also like take the flowers or the leaves of the garlic and chop those up and put them in vinegar for a lighter flavored garlic vinegar. Uh, You can also make an infused garlic honey. So if you're going to be working uh, with the garlic to fight infections, it's best to work with it fresh. And you want to crush it and then let it sit for 10 to 15 minutes before you actually apply it to an infected area. And again, you want to dilute it somehow because it might burn like I would never stick a crushed clove of garlic into my vagina that would just not be a good idea sometimes people will put a whole clove of garlic and use it as a suppository if you're fighting a yeast infection or uh, some sort of bacteria overgrowth down there but just you know be aware that garlic can cause irritations. So sometimes people put oil on their skin first and then put the garlic on or dilute it with water. For heart health, you can cook your garlic into meals and that's just fine. It will cut down some of the heat and definitely make it easier to consume in large amounts and it's easier on the gut as well. But you still want to, before you add it to your food, you want to crush it and or chop it and then let it sit for 10 to 15 minutes on your cutting board so that it can develop that allicin before you put it in your food. Although if you cook it at a high heat, you're going to destroy that allicin. Um, but you could put it in you know, right after, you know, say you're making pasta sauce and you want it to be nice and garlicky, then right when you take your pasta sauce off of the heat, you can put the garlic in it. So you aren't necessarily cooking it, but you're still adding it to food. Um, Other things that are good is, you know, guacamole, add it to avocado. That can make it easier on the gut. Pesto, uh, basil or parsley pesto, it's really good. You can make it extra garlicky or even like a Thai peanut sauce. So it's basically like peanut butter and a little bit of really hot water and a little bit of toasted sesame oil and then you can put like a bunch of fresh chopped ginger and a bunch of fresh chopped garlic in there and then like stir it all together and put it over noodles or vegetables or rice and it's delicious as i said most of the scientific studies that have been done have been done with dried and powdered garlic in supplement form because most of the scientific studies have been for heart health and so it's plenty effective that way. Too much garlic, and this would be really hard to do, but that could be really irritating and cause really ill-wanted effects would be one to two whole bulbs of garlic, not cloves, but the bulbs themselves. That would be overkill, but one to two cloves a day would be fine. So you could make a garlic tea if you wanted. You could put it in broth, soup broth. You could uh, make like a miso tea and add garlic to it. You could make a garlic syrup. So you'd make a really strong tea and then add honey to it. You could make a garlic tincture or a vinegar or an oxymel if you wanted. And then if you wanted, you could take that either the vinegar or the decoction or the tea of the garlic and apply that topically as a compress like soak a rag with it and apply it topically 
you will probably smell a little bit if you do that, if you apply it topically, but maybe the benefit will outweigh the smell. Garlic honey. So there's a bunch of different recipes that you could find online about how to make garlic honey. The easiest way is to take your garlic, whole cloves, even with the paper on them, and just throw them in a jar and cover them with honey. And the benefit of that is you don't have to peel the garlic. There might still be some small soil microbes on the garlic, which will help with the fermentation if you want your honey to ferment, although it will probably ferment anyway because there's so much water and moisture in the garlic cloves that the honey will get kind of liquidy and it will start to bubble. So you want to make sure that you put your honey um, like in a on the top of a plate as it infuses. But it will last a really long time, and over time, the garlic will get kind of crystallized with the honey, and then it will get, like, super soft. Um, some people chop the garlic before they put it in their honey, and that's fine, too. You can dilute the garlic before putting on your skin with, you could even put the garlic honey on your skin if you wanted. Or honey, you could put the honey on first and then you could put the garlic clove on. There is some debate out there, um, again, if they, if it will potentially increase the effect of anticoagulant medicine. So it's just something to be conscious of while you're taking it. And just, you know, eating garlic regularly is one other last benefit is that it's thought to help keep insects away and from biting you along with the vampires. And maybe that's what it's originally from because blood-sucking insects, blood-sucking vampires, let's just repel them all with eating lots of garlic. So I hope this gives you a new appreciation for a really common herb food. Uh, that you probably already have in some form in your kitchen. And I hope that you can experiment with different ways to prepare it other than just throwing it in your pasta sauce and see what fun you can have with garlic. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you would rate it and review it, um, especially if you listen on Apple podcasts or iTunes, hit that five star button. That'll take about half a second of your time. And even if you just write a review, um, that can only, even if it's just a few words, that would be great just to let this podcast get a little bit more visibility. I'd really appreciate that. And also a reminder that Nourish Yourself, I have decided, I have gotten some more people to sign up. So thank you to those who have signed up. Nourish Yourself is an online course that I offer. You can, um, it's evergreen. The information is always available for you on the webpage that I give you a passcode to after you sign up. But I am going to offer um, a couple live classes as a session uh, with this course, and we're going to start um, before the end of February. So check that out if you're interested, and there will be more information about the start date as far as a couple live classes just to bring a group together um, so we can have some um, acquaintances on this journey of incorporating nourishing herbal infusions into everyday living. And if you mention the podcast, I will send you a, through the snail mail, a free herbal zine that I make about the infusions and that I hand color each zine. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, uh, where you can sign up for an informational and inspirational emailed newsletter, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. Solidago is the genus for goldenrod, so check that out. 
Thanks so much for listening and supporting me on this journey, bringing home herbalism back to the home. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration. And Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.